Happy to have you. And this is part two of our Beastie Boys run. Of course, the first one, we went through their history. A lot to talk about there, especially if you were coming up in the 90s. But now we're talking about the quintessential album, the critic favorite, but a bomb at the time. Talking about Paul's Boutique. We went into the background a lot in the last episode, so check that out. But if you're ready for the track by track and hear our takes on it and rank it, well, keep listening. And let us know if you agree with us. What's your ranking on this particular album? What's your favorite Beastie Boys album? We want to know. All right. Well, this is Eric, and enjoy the show. All right. You guys already got, you already got my message. <laughs> We're I did. good for tonight, though. Okay. All right. Uh, Freddie, yeah. Okay. So, um, you, you buy the Beastie Boys CD. You get home, you open it up folds out into this huge panoramic 360 shot of a, of a street in Brooklyn um, and a little storefront uh, called Paul's Boutique, um, where apparently for that photo shoot, they actually brought all these knickknacks and trinkets from home to put on the, to put on the shelves outside. Um, and uh, apparently this was a, an idea that MCA had and he called the other guys at like three in the morning and uh, pissed him off to tell him this amazing idea that did not sound so amazing when he said it out loud. But took this picture and that's the album cover. Um, you can't appreciate it now during the streaming days, but if you happen to have physical media, which I know horror of all horrors, Mark, um, you know, it's cool. It's cool enough. Um, and we get to track one to all the girls. To All the Girls is just, it has a sample of a guitar loop called Lauren's Dance by Idris Muhammad. Um, and it's just a very quiet intro where the boys dedicate the album to girls. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, ladies of all different nationalities and ethnic groups, including Oriental, which uh, fucking Mike D, really? <laughs> I guess... I guess people were still using that word back then. Um, it's got anyways. some great uh, organ samples. I'll be honest with you. Um, it's uh, yeah. uh, it, it's just this really cool laid back going into a lounge kind of uh, feeling to it. Um, very different from some of the frat boy party rock that was on the first record. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I do think that, I mean, it is kind of, I mean, do you think that they're they're doing this knowingly in reaction to the adolescent shenanigans of the first record to, to have this be the start of the album is kind of a I mean, it's so over the top, like, you know, Lovage style, which actually there's definitely a connection there between this kind of uh, sexy time music and Nathan- yeah. Nathaniel Merriweather to to uh, uh, the handsome boy modeling yeah. school to Lovage. Sure. 
Um, I could I could hop skitch from one to the other to the other to the other. Oh yeah, but oh, it yeah. definitely definitely seems like it's it, it's unlike the last record. This is they're in on the joke here. Yeah, and exactly, and um, yeah, I think it is intentional in the fact that they were trying to set up this like '70s feel, this lounge feel, just like you said, and um, and I think they were pretty proud of the music the Dust Brothers were doing, and they knew that they had something elevated artistically, um, for sure. All right. Well, that brings us to track two, uh, first single off the album, um, Shake Your Rum. It's the joy. I'd say that the I'd say the the first track only has one sample on it. Probably the only song on the album that only has one sample on it. Correct. Correct. Because now we get to shake your rump and we've got a ton. And there there, you know, we could spend uh an entire season just breaking apart samples, and we're not going to do that, please. Um, but uh, you know, some of the big ones you hear on this song are Funky Snake Foot by Alphonse Muzan. Uh, it's the main drum roll that's happening in here. Um, the main beat is from Harvey Scales Dancing Room Only. Um, the Shake Your Rumpa is from James Brown at Africa Bombada. Um, and uh, there's uh, all sorts, like, you're starting to get what the Dust Brothers are doing on this. It's a super, super dense uh, thing samples over samples over samples where sometimes a vocal sample will finish a line of rapping and rhyme with what they said before uh, the thought that goes into that the planning is is pretty impressive um, and it's obviously very 70s um, it is uh, you hear you got Led Zeppelin drum fills in there um, you've got hoo-ha shouts from Sugar Hill Gang uh and apparently when they first heard it, Dust Brothers were like, you guys probably don't want to rap over this. It's too dense. It's too thick. There's too much going on. And I guess MCA was like, no, that's exactly what we want to do on this one. Um, because I guess if you listen to rap back then, I mean, it was very minimalistic. You wouldn't hear something that was too rich uh, musically because, um, you know, I think the, the, the worry was that it would take away from the vocals. Well, <laughs> luckily for the Beastie Boys, they don't always, they didn't always have something to say. So, uh, You've got this huge, this huge music in the background, which is, which is fun. Um, guitar riffs and beats all chopped and screwed. And, uh, it is a, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an opening track. There's a, there's a video for the song. Everything's filmed through a fisheye lens. Looked like it was made for $5. Now they're on a roof. They're wearing cool clothes. That's all I got to say about that. Mark, what do you think about Shake Your Rump? <laughs> Easily one of my favorite Beastie Boys record uh, songs. Easily. Um, 
the uh, the video is great. Um, it doesn't need to do very much. Um, that opening drum fill is uh, enough to get me locked and loaded. Um, but the one thing about this song that is incredibly identifiable is that space like I can't even I'm not even going to try to um, do in a mimic it or impression it but you know what I'm talking about it's that space yeah it's that big space bass that gets all like so like the whole chorus is this space bass that they're scratching there's uh, the Dust Brothers are scratching it up to, to create a bass line out of scratches which is great God damn, that part is uh, when I first heard that, I was like, whoa, hold on a sec. This is the Beastie Boys. Get out of town. Um, it uh, so good. And just the kind of the trade offs between all three of them is uh, fantastic. Uh, one of the things that always um, gets me is the Mike D. Yeah, with your bad self running things. What's up with your bad breath onion rings? Uh, that's from Ad Rock, and then it goes into Mike <laughs> D's part, and uh, it, it is kind of, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Mike D, but he, he always seems to be kind of going along for the ride. Um, I, I I I couldn't imagine the Beastie Boys without him. Don't get me wrong, sure. um, but it's sure. just one of those things that like Ad Rock and. Uh, um, Adam Yauch, they definitely have like this really cool flow. And, uh, then Mike D just kind of is the, uh, the guy that brings the humor. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Mike, Mike D will get, will get his moment in the sun a few years later in the song, pass the mic, uh, off check your head, which is a fantastic, fantastic jam. And he can really prove his metal, but you're right. You're absolutely right. He is, he, yeah, he is the least impressive, uh, lyrically. Well, um, I'm Mike D opinion. and I'm back from the dead, you know, like that kind of like, yeah. Um, but shake your rump. It's, it's funky. It's got the perfect amount of samples. Um, that fucking space base though. Holy smokes. I fucking Ooh. love that. Um, oh, it yeah. is space, easily is this... in my top five beast boy songs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is the space base part you're talking about where it goes, it's the joint. Yeah. 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 God damn. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't go back and listen to the actual sample, but it's a, it's a, that's a song by the Funky Four Plus One, and I'm not sure. I, that's where the it's the joint sample comes through. I'm not sure if the space space part does, but uh, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the song is is great, and we go from the first track with just one, one background sample, to like this song is this is where we get into the turntableism and the building a collage of uh samples to be the foundation of the song and also the driver of the song. And uh, th- this, I, I don't I, like, I didn't get to dive into the history of this style of music for this episode, but I hear a song like this and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is exactly where DJ shadow comes from. Like this, this album is, is where you're going to get your DJ shadows. And this song right here uh, shows exactly what that kind of style of music can be. And it's just chock full of just sample after sample after sample, but it doesn't give you whiplash. It doesn't feel pieced together. It all, it all is uh, just uh, puzzle. The the puzzle pieces are placed together in such a way to where it makes a complete picture. And 
I, I, uh, I think it's like I said, I haven't listened to the first album in years, but with this song right here, they show how far they've grown in just one track. And I, in addition to the sample, the Mar, the, the it's the joint space base thing that's going on. Uh, I'm a, if, if you listen closely, one other part I like about it is it has a sample from, uh, a thin Lizzy song. Uh, and uh, Johnny the Fox meets Jimmy the Weed. And over the last few years, I've become a I've always liked Thin Lizzy to an extent, mainly because Metallica covered whiskey in the jar. But over the last couple of years, I've become a bigger fan of theirs. And Johnny the Fox is my favorite Thin Lizzy album. So I didn't hear it with my own ears. Like many of the samples on this, I, uh, I like I, I heard all these samples. I'm like, what was that? What was this? What was that? And I couldn't place all of them. Or find all of them with my own ears. Uh, But it's kind of like a 3D picture that once you hear these things, you can't unhear them. And also, a lot of help from a website called paulsboutique.info. And they've been apparently, paulsboutique.info has existed since 1993, which is odd because, I mean, how long has the internet been around? Since 1994. And uh, it's pretty, pretty in-depth. And it was fun to listen to each track and go through and try to go to find some sounds I've always heard and then actually know where they came from for sure. Anyhow. Yeah. Shake your rump. Yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. say much more about this song. Yeah. It's just uh, awesome. Uh, it, uh, this is a, uh, this is like another kind of track too. like the other, we always talk about a track too, that continues the intensity of the first track, but takes it down a notch. This is a different type of track too. track one right. on this album set the table. And then track two started bringing the food out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. When you have a short intro, I think the rules change for a track two. Absolutely. Um, I don't have anything to add. You guys are right. This is a standout Beastie Boys track. When I first heard this, they immediately became one of my favorite groups um, in the, back in the 90s. Um, all I will say is that uh, they released this song and Hey Ladies as, um, as like an EP single called Love American Style. And um, in addition to those songs, they have instrumental versions of those songs, but they're not just instrumental versions. They're uh, more like uh, Dust Brothers just threw the kitchen sink and everything into the instrumental versions, remixed them, added many more samples. You can hear some of the samples stretched out a little bit more. Um, if you want to hear Dust Brothers doing their thing, this is on all the streams. Um, I, ha- I have the 12-inch, but they are. this is on all the streams. You can, you can dig in to the beats on this and Hey Ladies. Uh, the instrumental remix versions are out of sight. Um, and that's this song. And that takes us to uh, the next track, Johnny Royale. Johnny Royale is a song about somebody they knew back in Brooklyn. He was this rockabilly um, homeless person that stayed on their stoop and he would disappear for months at a time and come back. He would talk about that he wrote Elvis songs, that he 
uh, was really involved in the early country, um, in, you know, in the fifties. And now he was just like this, this weathered leathery guy hanging out in Brooklyn. Um, at some point they all got Def Jam, uh, Letterman jackets after their first album came out and Mike D gave his to Johnny Rial. um, and Russell Simmons saw it later and got super pissed, <laughs> apparently, that he gave it to some bum. Um, but they like Johnny. They like Johnny. And this is a song about them like creating this lore about this this rockabilly guy that had this crazy life and was now, you know, a uh, homeless guy. Um, at, first, at first glance, you know, it's like, oh, are these, these, uh, these uh, you know, rich white boys making fun of homeless people? But they're not at all. It's, it's, it's tribute. It's done out of tribute. They're having fun with it. Of course, there's jokes. But it's done with love. Um, and uh, it's a storytelling song. So, uh, Steve, what do you think about Johnny Rial? Oh, this is my favorite song off the album. Oh, um, look at that. Yeah, one, and it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the the Russell Simmons anecdote about the jacket. It reminds me that when I was transitioning in high school from being on the football team to off the football team, that uh, one day they had a uh, like a pancake lunch for all the football players. And I was, I was... Uh, leaving the football team, but I still was there for my pancake lunch. And I was like, I don't want these pancakes. And so I gave mine to Mark and the football coach just chewed the hell out of me. Um, yeah, probably, I do remember yeah. that. Holy smokes. We got a dressing <laughs> down. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Giving your pancakes to these hippie is probably what he said. Um, uh, coach coach had his way, had his way with you. <laughs> Oh, but I, I like I like this track for a, a. I love that guitar riff or the the yeah the guitar sample the da 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 the 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 Johnny Royale delivery and uh, the character they describe. I mean, he's like this ridiculous rockabilly guy that just hangs out in the steps and is kind of drinks too much. Well, that was me when I was like twenty two. I find it hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> It's 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 just a funny song. And the the one line that that makes me laugh my ass off is the, uh, you know, Johnny Royale, something, something. He's the leader of the homeless. <laughs> That's just the way he delivers it. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, uh, do you guys yeah. recognize the uh, sample, the wind blowing sample? Yeah, that's that's Pink Floyd from uh, one of these it. days. You got it. You got uh, it. Other other samples on the if you go and listen to the. Um, this is inter- this is oh yeah by the you know we haven't really talked about it but this record could never get made today because of all the samples and I was at this carnival just a years ago no big deal ferris wheel same old stuff you know and i wanted to yeah no i'm sorry yeah it's from the bass the rhythm guitar and the lead guitar from david bromberg's sharon on the album demon disguise go listen to that song and you're like holy shit that's the entire foundation of the song is uh this other song and they just took everything else out of it and then stuck their song on top of it yeah, the main drum beat is uh, Paul McCartney's Mama Miss America. And uh, to your point about this not being able to be made anymore, apparently, and you are right about that, but apparently the reason why is it wasn't because they like stole a bunch of samples. They actually cleared most of them. 
it was just um but there was a Bismarcky legal lawsuit um that after that happened it jacked the price up out of samples and the rules for using samples but this was made before then um and so they uh it was the uh the grand upright music versus warner brothers and it was about Bismarcky song um which is funny because they were they were friends but um didn't even get to that but anyways this was made before then so they were able to clear all of these samples which is why they're all on the remastered and reissued versions of this album um and for for a mint or not even like for for nothing for nothing uh they were able to, to to purchase the samples for for pennies um which you could not do anymore yeah this would be a, a billion dollar album and also name checks uh because because he ain't gonna work on maggie's farm no more i'm always i'm always here for a good uh maggie's farm line that's right that's right mark what do you think about johnny Rael? um it's not my favorite record or my favorite song off the record but uh i i really uh like the instrumental the the chorus is not quite the earworm that i think that they made it out to be the johnny Rael. you know the kind of um uh really uh, extending the the character's name um but i i do appreciate the the guitar sample that's on here um the last little stanza of donald trump and donald tramp living in the men's shelter wonder bread bag shoes and singing helter skelter i like that piece and he claims he wrote the blue suede shoes elvis shaved his head when he went into the army that's right y'all his name is johnny kick it uh it it does really uh effectively paint that picture of this guy who's uh, telling these tall tales as he's sitting on a stoop. Um, And I I don't think that it's necessarily like uh, trying to punch down on the homeless. If anything, it's uh, trying to just give you a sense of um, kind of the characters that they've come across in New York city. Um, But I I don't think it's a punch down track at all. Um, It's, it's like I said, the instrumentals really um, keep my interest. It's, it's the delivery of Johnny Rial that uh, um, I, it, it's not the earworm that I'm hoping it to be, um, but it's not a bad track by uh, any sense of the uh, definition. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I'm with you guys. I, I, I like it. I don't know if it's my, it's not my favorite, but um, uh, I love the storytelling. Um, and that brings us to the next song and their second song about eggs. Eggman. based around a very identifiable uh, sample uh, uh, Curtis Mayfield Superfly um, and man does that just get your head nodding that is that is just a groover 
Um, and there's some other stuff. There's some Sly and the Family Stone beats in there. Uh, apparently there's a Tower Tower Power sample. Um, there is also a uh, some movie samples. Um, the chorus of Eggman uh, has some of uh, the Psycho... Uh, has that. It has a, a bit of the score work um, from Cape Fear. And you have here is a song... Uh, about essentially what Egg Raid on Mojo was about, uh, throwing eggs at people. Um, this was a prank that they liked to do. They would throw them out of windows. Um, it's funny on that uh, <laughs> on that uh, that uh, commentary, they're talking about this song and they're like, oh yeah, we had a reputation. We'd throw eggs at people, you know, yeah, we'd prank them that way. It was, it was, it was, you know, we the bouncer wouldn't let us into a club. So we'd run, we'd go get a bunch of eggs and run through the alley and throw them at them. Um, then, you know, uh, we, uh, we were in, uh, California and they wanted to, they, you know, everybody thought that's what we did. So the dust brothers, uh, went and asked us to go egging and it just, that was when we realized we were assholes and <laughs> this is a horrible thing to do to people. <laughs> and it was, all the fun was sucked out of it that day. Um, but anyways, this is a song about throwing eggs at people, um, pranking people. And, uh, it's, um, it is a uh, it is a jam thanks to the beat. The beat is uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This is one of the more cinematic ones on this one. There's a lot of uh, movie references going on. I or, or at least sound sounds from them. I mean, between it's intro. I don't know if it was on purpose, but you've got Superfly. Um, there's like a Jaws and Psycho samples as well, and it's an interesting movie motif of some sort. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about this one, but you're right. That Superfly bass is uh, you can you can just layer a song around that and you're you're fine. Right, right. Yeah, I think the 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 Jaws and the Psycho, that's during the chorus when it's supposed to be like, oh, they snuck up on you. Like it's uh, they're trying to like make their egging of people be cinematic. No, um, and now that you, I never knew that was what the song was about. And as you read the lyrics, it clearly is about that. I mean, they talk about people running around in black. Uh, putting, putting, uh, you know, the cars driving by and load, loading up the slingshot and let one fly. This is definitely a storytelling song of shenanigans they've done, which is absolutely nonsense. I mean, by this point, were they done with the egging? Could they, were they able to, or, or was it, or was the egging still in their lives as of the writing of the song? Yeah. I think they said it was during the recording of this. They, they realized the magic was gone and they started feeling guilty from like absolutely ru- ruining people's paint, paint jobs. <laughs> How, oh. quick, how quick they grow this band from that's right giant yeah. dildos and eggings to to zen in a matter of uh, years exactly exactly mark what do you think about Eggman? i do like this track i like the beastie boys when they're a little bit more propulsive uh there's definitely a lot of dynamics happening on this track i had no idea that that was what what it, the song uh subject matter was about but to steve's point after reading the lyrics i'm like fuck it was right there in front of me um, literally I thought it was about some bald guys that they called Eggman, um, or, you know, to that effect, you know, uh, um, almost like an, I am the walrus kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's uh, why immediately I was like, wait, is this the Beatles one? That's why I, I absolutely. First. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm picking that up. Um, but, uh, I, I do like this track. I think it's a highlight of their, um, uh, catalog and, uh, certainly of this record. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, that opening bass line uh, from Superfly. My goodness, that kind of just takes you through it. And then it 
speeds things up, like with uh, Eggman almost making it seem like a suspenseful um, slasher flick. Uh, flick. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So that moves on to another uh, another jam called High Plains Drifter. like the title sounds they're trying to make a song that seems like it could be like a Clint Eastwood movie um, they even reference you know Dirty Harry and uh, Crazy Larry and like the car the car racing movie this is a storytelling song about a dirt bag that's getting into some trouble um, the uh, and and it's from the point of view of this asshole and he does go around like growling at people and and, and making some uh, stereo like uh, calling out stereotypes um, the Beastie Boys are not playing themselves in this in this song, they're playing uh, uh, some dirtbag uh, criminals. Um, the beat is essentially made around um, lining up an 808 drum beat, a super hard hitting 808 drum beat with the uh, bass line to those shoes by the Eagles. And, you know, I think we're all get critical of the Eagles at some point, but uh, that sample works very nicely. It's a it's a nice, uh, thick, thick thumper. Um, and uh, there's a they use a second bass line from a ZZ Top. Uh, a sample there. You get uh, Susie is a headbanger from a Ramon song. Um, but I think uh, we all, I know Steve texted me separately about this, but I think we all probably recognized the, um, the moaning uh, sample that was used in the Nine Inch Nails Piggy remix. Nothing can stop me now, um, which is taken from the Fat Mac band. Put your love in my tender care. sample was used heavily in that piggy remix by rick rubin but rubin was not on this so you almost wonder if they were trading trading samples at this time or or, or what but anyways did you catch um, uh, did you catch that mark that sample is the same sample absolutely i mean upon first listening um uh, yes i was like oh man uh this is the nine inch nail sample from piggy um 
what I didn't remember that it was the Rick Rubin remix. And uh, I, I didn't know the sample that it was coming from. But yeah, that, that type of thing, which I probably didn't give that any justice whatsoever. But uh, Eric will fix that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely caught that. Good stuff. Mark's Mark's version of that, he sounds like one of the Skeksis from the fucking Dark Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Gelfling! Gelfling! Yeah. Close enough. Uh, Mark, what do you what do you think about High Plains Drifter? So I'm actually wearing a Clint Eastwood High Plains Drifter shirt right now. Uh, so I do like this song. It's, uh, it's kind of one of the more laid back, uh, as Genius.com would, would label it, a caper song. Um, you know, looking back to our run the jewels episode where they talked about doing a little bank robbery, a little reminiscent of this, obviously this came out in 1989. Um, but it seems to be something that happens a lot in rap songs or hip hop songs where they talk about, you know, robbing people and, uh, not looking down on that, not judging that. And, uh, I, I do like what's going on here. It's, uh, kind of a more, woozy kind of a high plains drifter and one thing in particular uh about this song is that uh when that chorus hits they're almost doing like one of those row 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 your boat things where you hear that chorus but they continue singing some of the verses uh it's uh it's kind of neat little neat neat trick yeah it's like yeah, like two two guys are doing the high plains drifter, and then like what? And then like I think it's Mike D or Ad Rock is doing like a in double time doing another like rap over it, which I th- I love it. I think it's really cool delivery. It's pretty cool. Fe- it's a pretty cool f- uh, effect. You don't hear that a lot, and uh, it's it's neat how they do it. Uh, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry on the run from Dirty Harry. Love that line. Uh, it's uh, referencing like two different movies there that are uh, obviously very influential. Um, since they're really kind of mining the 70s sample uh, Tron. Um, good shit. Good shit. Steve, what do you think about this? Yeah, this is a this is probably my second favorite song on the album, maybe. Um I it's I I I like the weird it, it does a good job balancing the slow groove, but also having like that beat that just works um, because the Eagles love to write uh, catchy, catchy beats that you could groove to, even though many of their songs were terrible. You still could always nod your head to them. And th- this track, the, the way that you were describing Mark, the, uh, the vocal interplay. Now it's interesting that earlier we were talking about how, yes, they, they could be said they're more of an older style of, um, uh, call and response, older hip hop style or, or older or original, definitely East coast, uh, tracksuit style on this. But the, the I mean, they, they kind of got better at their, as time went along at, at trading vocals back and forth. I think that this song is great with the way that they, uh, all work with each other to uh, have input on the uh, vocals. Um, it it almost it almost makes it sound quadraphonic the way they trade back and forth with the the high plains drifter. 
yeah no this yeah there, this is a cool song and it's got you've got one of the super clever beat by the uh the dust brothers and you've got beastie boys showing off a little bit and telling telling a story telling a uh a story probably tarantino would approve of with the uh the crazy larry uh references um you know what's one thing that um that one of these guys is doing and i can't figure out if all three of them do it or if it's one of them because i do lose track of who's who with the beastie boys it's that it's it's fitting. This is after our Romstein episode with Till and his rolling R's. One of these guys loves to roll like B's and P's and T's. Are, are you guys now? That yeah, on this there, on this song especially, on this song yeah. especially, and that is uh, I think that's Ad Rock. So yeah, yeah, he's having. I, I like fun it whenever it. he does that. Yeah, and yeah, that uh, the, the fact I, I I guess it wasn't as much of a detective moment as as I thought it was when I clicked that sample is the same sample. It's uh, it's it's on a vi- pretty obscure Nine Snails remix, but once you hear that thing and you hear it again, you're like, "Hey, I heard that before." Oh yeah, it, did, oh, it yeah. took me you know two two uh, two Google searches away and I found it. Yeah, the original song is like a, a girl kind of doing orgasmic moans over like a funk track, um, and they're obviously like t- tweaking that, but they're doing it in the exact same way it's on that Nine Inch Nails one. So like, it must be a sample that's just float. Like somebody must have isolated it and it's just floating out there to to be used anyways there's there's a there's a story for that sample uh, that's my side project called um uh you know uh, sample tastic where i go through and just talk about samples uh, nobody will listen to it yeah you fucking you know what you're so clumsy <laughs> eric you're so clumsy sometimes you trip over a perfect thing and to, to get to to garbage uh story of that sample is what you should call it you just said it yeah perfect story of that sample.com all right well, there you go. Thanks. And you'll be my, my producer. Appreciate that. I hope you're not. I, I hope they don't have you teaching any marketing classes. I'm not teaching at anything. Uh, okay, let's go. Let's <laughs> let's move on to the most expensive song ever if it was made today. Um, this is called The Sounds of Silence or Science. Silence. It's not our gar, it's not a Garfunkel. It's the sounds of science. Sounds of Science starts with this Isaac Hayes bass sample from the Shaft soundtrack. Shaft soundtrack. My God, what is wrong with me? Uh, and, and they are kind of doing this kind of playful schoolyard. Here we go, dropping science, dropping it all over. Like they're just doing this kind of like playful thing. And then it gets into this. And there's, and there's little Beatles samples here and there. 
oboes from when I'm 64 and jet sounds from back in the USSR. And then at some point, the DJ starts scratching and going crazy. They start screaming, rope, a dope. And uh, it cuts into uh, this super upbeat uh, track, drum track, with uh, the end by the Beatles uh, guitar lick. Outrageous. Yes, outrageous. And then they just start they just start rapping over it. It starts with probably a Mike D sex rhyme about a condom exploding. And then it goes into some like higher, more kind of meta stuff. Um, like, uh, well, I figured out who makes the crack. It's the suckers with the badges and the blue jackets. Uh, it gets a little smart. Uh, starts with uh, something gross and gets a little smart. And it's got a and disgustingly good beat in the background. Oh, boy. Um, Steve, Sounds of Science. Well, this is a, another, you know, the the front, the front middle, if you will, of this album is really chock full of great songs, and this is another one. Um, yeah, it's it, all these all these Beatles samples. It's just ridiculous. It's it's like they were daring someone to sue them. Uh, you know, this is this is before Michael Jackson owned them all, but uh, I, uh, I I just. I, I can't I can't believe what what they're doing here, and the way the way that they go from one to the other to the other, and then it, it has that that uptick and it kicks into that guitar uh, riff from the end. It's just it's it's beautiful. Uh, I don't know how much of this album existed before they met the Dust Brothers because I know they were already kind of working on some stuff, and I'm I'm sure that some of it mutated into what's on here. But uh, I, I think this song is so ballsy that I wouldn't have been surprised if the Dust Brothers thought that, you know, hey, look what we put together. And then the BC Boys said, hey, why don't we put that on the album? And the Dust Brothers said, Are you, that can't be legal. It's just it's just brazen. <laughs> yeah. You know? oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of the uh, the funner songs on the album. And didn't they have Sounds of Science? Didn't they name their like best of after this or like they did, comprehensive? They did. They did, yes. Okay, yes. So now was this on that? Was not. It was not. Yeah. I wonder if they kinda you know, they're already kind of being bold naming it after this. <laughs> yeah. It's possible that yeah, I know that was like that was like early thousands, I think it was, and maybe they were uh they didn't want to tempt fate twice and they they, they kept it yeah. off of there. Yeah, and even though all the sampling was above the board for the most part when they made this, it was funny on that commentary like none of them actually mentioned any of the samples that were used. Like they would kind of like, like (laughs) self edit the names of the samples. So there must be, (laughs) there must be some, 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 there's still some mystery around all that for sure. I think that this, 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 uh, the fact that it just, it says, you know, do pot, not Coke. It's a good life lesson, but also kind of sums up the entire beastie boys, uh, personality and these guys are they're bong hitting science sound cosmonauts they're not uh amped the 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 amped up partiers they were on their first album isn't really who these guys are that's right that's a sample from a reggae guy uh pato banton i do not sniff the coke i only smoke the sensamilla um mark what do you gotta say 
So the sounds of science, it starts off something that I don't really appreciate. I'm like, what is happening here? Um, sounds of science. Not quite compelling. Uh, however, once the shit kicks, it kicks hard. Uh, so um, the goofy like uh, children's little bouncing across the uh, the keys um, that you get at the beginning, um, it certainly gets not only uh, rectified, uh, but it gets amplified. I, I love the uh, the Beatles samples all throughout the song. The end by the Beatles is uh, fucking rad. Abbey Road is how that ends and pretty much ends the Beatles career. Um, but holy shit, uh, this song does kick major ass. Uh, it really does. Uh, if you can just look past the uh, um, the goofball uh children's episode um but i mean girl talk took a one one glance at this track and was like i can make a career out of this and so um that's uh what i'll have to say about sounds of silence or science good lord eric you're rubbing off on me uh but sounds of science at first not a great intro but holy smokes it makes up for that big time their vocal delivery even with Mike D's little nasty sex rhyme, which clutching my pearls as usual. Uh, but I mean, you know, uh, it's the, the delivery, once the guitar kicks in and they're rapping, it just all, it just all just elevates. It's, it's a, it's a great little middle track. Uh, not quite the middle. Uh, I think there's one more song left on this side, side a, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely ballsy. Like you said, and, uh, I, I think pretty classic. All right. Well, that is sounds of science, but come on, we can't help ourselves. Guys, let's turn our cameras on. Let's let's just do a little dance off as we listen to the last few minutes of that sweet, sweet Beatles beat. All right. Hit it. I uh, thankfully I did some calisthenics before because, uh, yeah, I'm ready for it. Let's go. All right. Let's hit it. Well, oh, look at him go. Go, Steve. Oh my god. Oh my god. Somebody call 911. Call 911. Oh, please take good care of him. Treat him like your own son. Ah, oh, shit. Steve. Oh, no. Well, Jesus. Fuck. I, I told him not to do, not to try to spin on his lips. He, he just pushes it. That's what he does. He physically I mean, pushes himself. On top of that, I mean, the when he was doing that Van Damme split and he were actually jumped up on his kitchen counter, that was impressive. But I knew that he was going to tear something. That was oh. wow. Wow. Well, needless to say, he's he's uh, he's got he's he's out. He's 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 in the local uh, uh, our, our local uh, Placerville. Uh, St. Placerville's hospital. Uh, exactly. I think they had to send him to the veterinarian clinic because I don't think the actual hospitals in his fair city are actually <laughs> open right now. Right. It's more of a livestock town. Right. right. So it's true. It's true. So he's <laughs> so he's uh, recuperating on some uh, horse tranquilizers right now. I, uh, exactly. We wish him well. We wish him well. Um, but we're going to carry but on. We got to push, on. push on, honestly. I, mean, he, like... I think Steve would want us to. I think, honestly... Steven want us to move forward without him. And we're I did see him do like the T2, like th uh, thumbs up, 
like as they were t- taking him away on the stretcher. So I think that was a sign for us to just continue on, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think the doctor was asking um, him, uh, you know, to, to hold up a one finger, but um, we can take that for whatever we want it to mean also. So. Exactly. Just to make sure that uh, he can still feel his extremities sure. um, after doing that. <laughs> yeah unbelievable move honestly the fact that he held his thumb up for the one finger tells me maybe something's not right but it's okay it's all right let's 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 carry let's carry on oh god Ter- terrifying terror this is yeah this is terrifying i mean okay it's we'll be all yeah right, never we'll want to see right. that again folks no 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 thank goodness uh that video clip was just for us and it yeah and thank out. god that we uh uh, probably just won't ever, anyone will never see that. Uh, it's, uh, it's for the best. Three minute rule. Let's listen to it. Now in your fancy clothes, you got fancy things. They're going up your nose. You're getting fancy gifts from expensive men. You're a dog on a leash like a pig in a pen. Brothership connection. What you have here is act, one of the more basic beats, uh, very simple, not a lot of sampling going on. There is some. You have a, a, a Sly and the Family Stone drum beat from um, the uh, the Brave and the Strong uh, that adds a lot, a little bit of the background music. And then um, Fancy, the song Feel Good, uh, you got a little drum beat uh, sliced in there too. Um, and, you know, this one is... It's it's very interesting. Everybody seems kind of checked out in their rapping on this one, except for Ad Rock, who gets a pretty great verse uh, where it starts with "girl" and he just kind of goes into like you can tell that these New York boys are having Hollywood culture shock, and um, this particular verse that he's rapping about is just kind of like uh, the uh, the kind of dating culture maybe in L.A. with uh, materialistic uh people girls chasing after dumb rich guys and um you know the uh the 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 drug culture and hollywood and all that um you know it's definitely a little bitter but uh it's very funny and it's one of his best verses on the album it's it's kind of cool um other than that there's not a lot uh although i do love a good don knox reference uh in in this as they as they uh reference uh, Mr. Roper, which I appreciate. <laughs> Mark, what do you think about a uh, three minute rule? It's a pretty laid back track in the sense of uh, kind of the beat. It's just kind of slides on down the street. Um, does so, I mean, it starts out with uh, Adam Horowitz doing his thing. Of course, all, you know, three of them are in the mix, but that middle part where Adam Yauch really comes through uh, I'm just chilling like Bob Dylan. Yeah, I smoke Chiba. Helps me with my brain. But the part that always makes me fucking laugh, and I'm sure you know it. I was making records when you were sucking your mother's dick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great diss. Like all time, all time diss, all time diss. Yeah, it's true. That's true. I guess I guess you're right. I, I think I think Adrock's verse is better, but I think 
MCA gets the best line with that fucking line. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's not serious. I mean, like, the line that precedes it is people come up to me and they try to talk shit, man. And then he does that, like, where it's completely tongue-in-cheek, for oh, yeah. fuck's oh, yeah. sake. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. Although, it is based on a real thing where, like, and they probably, honestly, they probably had to deal with this a lot throughout the years of just being, like, like treated like posers in the hip hop world. Um, and I think there's some legitimacy to, to that, but like, uh, not that they're posers, just that I can understand maybe looking at three white guys and, and making that claim, but they've been around since the birth of Def of Def Jam. You know, they, uh, I think they've, they've earned their, they've earned their medal for sure. I mean, uh, so that first part goes to ad rock. Second part goes to MCA. And the third part then goes to, uh, Mike oh, D. Or right? Does it? Does it? Because I had, I I had Mike D and Ad Rock switch. It, that's the hard part with with Mike D and Ad Rock. They have the high pitched voice, but I'm yeah. pretty sure the one about your expensive clothes, and expensive things going up your nose. I'm pretty sure that's all Ad Rock. That that whole verse is Ad Rock. So does Mike D just then work kind of the uh, the back lanes on this one? Then yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so. and I think that kind of leads to what you know we were kind of inferring about before that Mike D is not necessarily. Uh, I don't know if we even talked about this on Mike. I think we did. Um, Steve's uh, accident really took, you know, a wall up yeah. on my memory yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's all I can think about, but yeah. We'll... <laughs> I mean, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. Um, but I, I can't remember if we actually did talk about the fact that uh, Mike D um, is probably at the caboose of this train, would you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I it think... seems like that's... Yeah the roles that are played in most songs, right? Yeah. Well, I would say sometimes he gets a little bit more like the next song. He's going to have a little bit more to do. Um, but he, yeah, he kind of was the, uh, you know, kind of the flavor flavor of Beastie Boys in the sense that like he was the cute one and he was very much part of the image of the group. And no, he was, you know, I mean, he was the founding member. So no doubt about it. He has an important role to play, um, but he's not always carrying the most lyrical weight in the group for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Wow. Do you have anything more on three minute rule or should we get to the, uh, the I think we uh, should get to the next third? track. Yeah. All right. Well, here, here's one of their biggest hits a little track called Hey Lady. daughter i dropped my drawers and said welcome back cotter oh boy we've got a super dense dense uh rap like hit right here i mean this song i mean this is one that has so much going on um between a backbeat by uh the west street mob which is from sugar hill records uh their electric boogie song to the average right bands cut the cake guitar riffage 
You say a one for the trouble, two for the time. Uh, come on, y'all, let's break dance. sorts of vocal snaps incredible bongo bands apache beat apache beat sorry uh you've got little Jimi hendrix in there it's little stevie wonder in there it's it's just slashed and cut and screwed with all sorts of stuff and it it makes a super undeniable 70s disco beat for them to rap about being just the biggest dorks in town yet somehow they they see themselves as 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 players as uh, as ladies men um and you know if the uh if the song didn't didn't tell you that the video certainly would uh we can start with the song and, and mark i'll let you tell me what you think and then guide us into the video yeah the song is an all-timer i mean an all-timer i i don't want to you know take a uh uh, a preview or any like thunder out of what we're going to be talking about in the video. But that's how I first uh, come to find out about this song. I heard about it with that all time video, which is, uh, you know, kind of their version of a player's ball. Um, if you can think of it that way, uh, dressed like, you know, seventies pimps and uh, yeah, watching that Apple TV plus documentary where they actually went to, uh, I think, some thrift stores to, you know, find those outfits was also phenomenal. But hey, ladies, I mean, this song is extremely funky. It's got cowbell, great bass line, clap tracks, um, an excellent backbeat. Uh, it's <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, one thing about you know Beastie Boys that I've that I really also appreciate, and uh, I know we kind of talked about this on our. Ghostface Killer episode, uh, the the misogyny that sometimes is in rap music, and I'm sure like uh, I'm not a huge student of their first record. I think I've listened to it maybe twice, even though it's an all time classic for a lot of people. But they don't really think they really refer to women as bitches, um, and I appreciate that about them. Even though that they're definitely inside the hip hop game, uh, they just they don't do that. That's not part of who they are, and I think it really is to their own personal beliefs about uh, such things. I, I don't think that they themselves ever, even though they used to have very misogynistic kind of tendencies by writing, you know, big penises and uh, that sort of thing, that frat kind of mentality. But uh, I, I do like the fact that they <laughs> write a song called Hey Ladies, and it's uh, certainly has some sexual themes in here. Um but they don't do it, I think, in a very disparaging or um, disrespectful sort of way. I like that. And uh, some of my favorite lines uh, that always just make me smile is, uh, met a little cutie. She was all hopped up on Zooty. I like the little cutie, but I kicked her in the booty. Because <laughs> I don't go for that kind of messing around. You be listening to my records, the number one sound. I know I just referred that he doesn't, they don't really refer to <laughs> misogyny, but I, I think it's so playful in terms of. Oh yeah. Um, it's a metaphorical you, kick, kick in the booty, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. The, the, the one that I, the video, my, I don't know why one of my favorite moments in the video, other than the guy in the disco club, that's just whipping for no reason. He's got a whip 
which is he looks like <laughs> yeah. fucking Ash yeah. from KMFDM. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. The, uh, my, I love the part when, for some reason, Ad Rock just cracks me up in this video because most of the video is like Mike D like setting up a party at his house before going clubbing. Like that's kind of what it's about. And but uh, <laughs> Ad Rock in the he's in MCA's car and he's like chomping on a burger, just telling her every lie that you know that I never did, and then just like just like <laughs> slopping all over this burger as he's talking, just like absolute <laughs> like absolute asshole sidekick. Like it's so, yeah, I, don't know. I just love his his little little moment in that. <laughs> No, I know. I mean, I know that we talked at length about Rammstein and how they showed up in their videos. I think the Beastie Boys have that same sort of mentality, you know, um, oh, yeah, especially yeah. in these kind of more conceptual videos. You know, yeah. I think playing, playing up on their on their thing and just like the fact of the matter is, yeah, this song is about ladies and it's about sex and they're, you know, uh, but if you see how they're portraying themselves in this, they clearly don't. They don't, they are not, they do not, are not trying to convey that they have any power over right. the, the fairer sex at all. Yeah, Absolutely. They're, they're, they're a bunch of dorks. It is, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I mean, and this song for me is also the template uh, for a future uh, Dust Brothers production, which is Beck's Midnight Vultures. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's one of my personal favorite Beck records out there. It's incredibly inconsistent uh, from top to bottom. Uh, even though some may write it off as it being too derivative of that genre. But I absolutely feel that it uh, holds true to that genre with even a great sense of humor. And this is, I think, where this song really achieves that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, this song is, uh, I think, indicative of what the Dust Brothers have up their sleeve when it comes to kind of soul R&B funk um, tendencies. Yeah, yeah. And and it really is the... the, uh... I guess you could call it the uh, the climax of where the Beastie Boys were during this time, where it, like like I said, they were living in that this ultimate '70s Dolomite house. They were breaking into the closet of the owners and and wearing her '70s disco clothes every day. Like that that became their fashion statement. So like this this definitely is all that bo- bubbling over to just where they were for this album, and uh, it's also special for that, and just just funny and and. The video is beautiful. I mean, it's shot. It's so weird and and but but really shot well. Was that Spike Jones or not quite yet? It was not. It was, okay. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. But actually, I of course have the Criterion collection of the Beastie Boys videos, which they released. It was actually Criterion's one hundredth release. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a. If you haven't seen that, it's it's got all the videos. It's got commentaries it's got remixes it's got you can pick what angles you watch the video it and it's it's uh it's pretty great but yeah this particular video was uh directed by give me, oh adam bernstein adam oh, bernstein yeah. directed this particular video uh, now i know that uh if it wasn't spike jones it was usually um ad rock or not ad rock i'm MCA, sorry mca yeah, it's nathaniel uh, merriweather nathaniel merriweather you're right um and uh yeah not this time um this is a guy that's uh 
directed Love Shack by B-52s. And right. maybe got back by Sir Mix-a-Lot and then went on to uh, direct pilots for shows like 30 Rock, Scrubs, and Fargo. So Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, those are some classic videos yeah. if you think about it. And they all have a certain style to them. But uh, all different. All different styles. Right, right. Yeah, no, this song, this song is great. Um, and I think I mentioned it before, but there's this cool single for... They made like a double single for this and, and uh, Shake Your Rump called Love American Style. And the B-side are instrumental versions of those songs, but not just instrumentals, but they're super cut and screwed remixes by the Dust Brothers. So you can hear every little sample and piece that they used. And so this one is called Diss Yourself in 89, Just Do It. And it's a pretty fun one if you just want to hear the music. Um, and <clears throat> all of the crazy stuff in the background brought to the forefront. It's pretty cool. But... Hey ladies, uh, I'm with you, Mark. This is a uh, this is this is this is one of the big selling points for Beastie Boys for me early on, and uh, uh, can't think of one without the other. All right. I think we should go to the next one. All right. What's here, next? Yes. And so the next song is very possibly a song that Steve is listening to right now in the waiting room of whatever backwoods uh, animal hospital he's waiting to get um, medical care in. It's a little song called Five Piece Chicken. This is a 23 second song uh, with banjos uh, ripping and roaring. Uh, the banjo music is by uh, Eric Weisberg. It's a song called Shuckin' the Corn. And you've got Michael Diamond screaming, Get away from the barbecue, goddammit! Get the hell away! And uh, it's just a little little something for the hill people. Um, <laughs> not much to say about this. <laughs> at all. I, I did read, though, in the Beastie Boys book, Michael Diamond is actually very proud of this track. And he is so proud that something so stupid <laughs> not only made it into one of the top 100 hip-hop albums of all time, but starts the side two of the vinyl. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, definitely a deliverance thing happening here, but uh, not much else to really say. It's 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 such a weird little gap between, you know, Hey Ladies and uh, the next track, but uh, it seems to fit. <laughs> yeah. Around this time, and you can see, you can you can, uh, if you ever had the physical copy of um, the Sounds of Science anthology, you see that they did release a weird EP at some point vinyl only, um, called, uh, country Mike. And it was, uh, Michael Diamond singing country songs. Who's country Mike? Country Mike? Well, basically it was just this and a theme song for some imaginary program called country Mike, uh, where he just basically made two songs in this style. Um, clearly Michael Diamond is way more entertained by <laughs> the idea of, of this uh, than anybody else but anyways it's it's out there and country mike made it onto the anthology for some reason that i don't know so there you go there it is but, good anecdote yeah but it it plucks it are it, and clears the it plucks the path clear for the next track which is pretty epic looking down the barrel of a gun
this song is uh, one of two songs, uh, the other one has not happened yet, uh, where the uh, Beastie Boys actually play live instruments, which would then become their calling card in future album, albums. But on this song, what it is is uh, the Dust Brothers were scratching uh, the, um, the Pink Floyd song Time, that and, and and if you listen to time you'll hear that it starts with this almost metronome electronic click and then this guitar chord progression that happens and every time the guitar hits it's paired with a bell hitting like a clock bell and so um there's this there's a drum beat from the incredible bongo band and then you have mca playing his bass but it's jacked through a distortion pedal and it sounds like a like chugging almost metal riff um and he's playing that over the other two samples. And that's where they got uh, the beat for this. And it gives us a pretty epic track. Mark, what do you think about looking down the barrel of a gun? Um, I think this is the song that uh, convinced me that the Beastie Boys were not fucking around. Um, so a long time ago, before I actually worked at the record store, uh, I had a had a friend who introduced me to a lot of the bands that, you know, I've certainly have talked about and, um, we were just driving and this one came on. He had just got Paul's boutique and, uh, I was blown away because the organic sound of it all. I mean, it sounds extremely heavy. Um, I still, even though I'm a massive Pink Floyd fan, that actually is headline news for me. I don't really, uh, hear it in in terms of this song i know that this is i think the second pink floyd uh sample from this record right um but but uh yeah in my mind i always thought like it was um like the drum beat for when the levy breaks or something like that but uh it's not it's it, it seems to have a very similar beat but uh this looking down the barrel of a gun is one of my favorite all-time Beastie Boys songs. It's definitely in my top five, maybe my top three. Yeah, let's let's put them in top three. Uh, that that this song is an all-time classic. Yeah, no, it's it's probably it's probably my favorite on this on this album. I I don't know. I, I it might be. Um, yeah, the 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 time sample is pretty. Um, it's it's subtle. But it is just the beginning. It's right after the clock, the clock barrage at the beginning of the song time. You'll hear like yeah. the guitar chord progression and you'll hear this like this kind of electronic net metronome kind of thing happening. And then they lay the, the, the bass, the fuzz bass and the, and the bongo band drums over it. Anyways, it's uh, I, I wouldn't I would not have picked it out of a lineup, but because I knew it was there, thanks to Wikipedia, I uh, yeah. the time and I was like, oh, OK. There, there she blows. There she blows. Um, which is cool because, like, I love it when the riff starts over. It always feels like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's basically chimed in, bell, big like, church bell. And that's it's, it's that sample. Whenever the guitar, that Pink Floyd song, whenever the guitar hits, it's paired with a little bell chime, and they echo it out, so it sounds a little bit more epic. So. Anyways, yeah, it's it's good. Um, I love the, uh, the the. There's one line where I'm just like pumping my fist, like 24 is my age, 22 is my gauge. I'm writing rhymes on the page. I'm going off in a rage. And so it's like, hell yeah. 
good stuff. Um, apparently at this time, uh, MCA, <clears throat> he had a bit of a gun collection. And um, he, uh, you know, collected, you know, pistols and rifles and like shooting them. And then at some point he, fi- he found Buddhism and uh, renounced violence of all forms. So you can see them destroying... Uh, Destroying uh, his uh, his pistol in uh, in one of the videos. Uh, I think it might have been was it this one or something's got to give. It was one of the two, but yeah, you see him destroying his his guns in one of them, as they told us in this song. And it, it brings us into Car Thief. Alright, Car Thief uh, started in the same, like, mixtape where they first heard uh, Shake Your Rump. Uh, the Dust Brothers had these super dense instrumentals that they barely paired back for the for the album. The VC Boys knew they wanted something crazy musically. This was the other track that kind of uh, got connected them. And uh, what we have here is a storytelling song. It's got a funky beat. That built itself up. It almost almost reminds me of the Chemical Brothers or Daft Punk a little bit, in the way that it uses that sample from the Funk Factory. The and uh, we get a little um, uh, we get a little track about uh, big bass on this one on this song. And uh, actually, Mike D might have the most memorable. Uh, most memorable uh, verse in here, but it's a, it's a crime story, and kind of like Paul Revere was. Um, it's a callback to the old stuff, but it really builds on itself. Uh, and um, yeah, what do you think about Car Thief, there, Mark? So, Car Thief, uh, another one of those kind of laid back, cruising down the uh, main street kind of uh, beats that are happening here. Uh, if you just take the instrumental out, it re- really reminds me of what their future work is going to sound like. And when I say future work, I'm thinking more of the Dust Brothers. This is very reminiscent of that Fight Club soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, uh, of how they kind of more flesh that out with uh, later technology. Um, but, I, you know, I this is first and foremost a Beastie Boys record. And uh, to put all of the... Uh, credits at the production team. I don't think that's quite appropriate, but I do think that it's a very collaborative effort. Uh, it's a sound that, you know, Beastie Boys definitely kind of flirts with, but then makes it their own because they don't always work with the Dust Brothers. I think maybe this is their only outing with them. Is that correct? You got it. Yeah. Yeah. But they are certainly able to uh, take some elements from here and then really, really expand and mature their sound. So Car Thief doesn't, um, it's not one of my favorite tracks, but certainly it's not a bad track whatsoever. Uh, I want to know who Ricky Powell is, of course, because apparently someone got dicked by him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that's in the book. I think, I think he's just like somebody they went to school with that, uh, that made his way around the, uh, made his way around the uh, house parties. Yeah. I mean, in the way they say it, like it's an all a name we should all be familiar with. That's you right. know, it's right. <laughs> hey, um, let me let me ask you this: 
do you did you know that Faith No More sampled this song? Oh, really? Is it on Midlife Crisis with that kind it. of at yeah. the beginning? Yeah, or it's it. No, it's it. Well, I'm thinking they use it a few times in the song, but especially like there's it's after one of the hooks they they like that big that big funk factory piece but it's actually sampled from this song they 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 speed that up and kind of scratch it oh wow yeah yeah Yeah. i because that's the one song that comes to mind um that's wild and we'll talk about that record at some point this season we will we will yeah 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 but yeah the i mean uh Story-wise, yeah, it's a, it's a fun little story, but um, yeah, the beat really is. I, I I think you're right in saying that the Dust Brothers' contribution stands out more in the song. So yeah. Well, let's let's bring it up to the next song. We've got what comes around. Insecure, born in the junkyard with the jaw. You're gone wet, look crazy. You fucked around and wound up with the bullshit head. You're all mixed up like pasta primavera. Yo, why'd you throw that chair around All right, what comes around is uh, it's got a cool drum loop uh, made up by Moby Dick by Led Zeppelin, um, and it's got some cool guitars going on. But as Mike D and Ad Rock recalled this song in their in their book, they said it kind of sucks. It's kind of <laughs> a downer. <laughs> it's probably the worst outing they made on this particular album. And I don't disagree. Uh, I didn't write down in my notes any memorable lines. Um, it has a what comes around, goes around, which is, you know, a cliche kind of repeated throughout the chorus. Um, I don't know. Did you have anything of note on this particular track, Mark? I mean, the instrumentals are, uh, you know, a cool laid-back funky jam. Uh, but I do think... The song is definitely where they were like, "Oh shit, we got to record today, guys." Um, <laughs> let's uh, just kind of like throw something together, you know. Yeah. And I, <laughs> they don't hide from that fact whatsoever. I mean, what goes around comes around. I mean, I think this is their most repetitive song lyrically off the record. Um, and then at the end, it just falls apart so fucking fast. Uh, oh, yeah. Funky damn, a funky pam, 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 bam, bam, <laughs> and then and kick it, and then uh, the, like penicillin, like Panasaurus, Doris oh, the Finkasaurus. It just yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. There was a they were looking down the barrel of a bong when they were recording. <laughs> That's something. yeah. I think yeah. that uh, they just wanted to keep this one loose. And uh, boy, did they! They did. They did. Yeah. Well, the beat. The beat is still the, the the good thing about this is even the worst song on here, which I think that is, the beat is still nothing to uh, nothing to to sniff at. It's um, and so you can tell they've kind of checked out uh, as rappers, but <laughs> you can still get through it from that laid back beat that you were mentioning. So good, yeah, good, good on that. Good on that. Thank you, Dust Brothers. Yeah, um, at least someone showed up to work for that day. <laughs> yeah, someone's got yeah, someone's got to clock in and run the reports. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's let's bring it up to the uh, the next and the final single that showed up on this album, Shadrach. Can you handle it? Yes, sir. Tonight, you can't hold the 
All right, Shadrach is it, it, it? Come on, it's a jam. Uh, it's got the most kind of disco beat on 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 this, um, using samples from James Brown, from uh, uh, Rolls Royce, from Fatback Band, Sly and the Family Stone, um, and it's got uh, these fucking great, great this great drum beat, just overlaid drums, just just forcing you to stamp your feet to this this track. Um, at some point. Uh, MCA and Matt Dyke, uh, where they were recording most of the, this album as an apartment, they connected this idea to a biblical story, um, and that was the uh, the, the the Shadrach and uh, uh, basically it was about the story about Nebuchadnezzar and the uh, the new king of Babylon, the Old Testament story, and. Um, they kind of connect basically modern day rap lyrics to that kind of story of, of, of greed. Um, not going to pretend like I know any more about that story. Wikipedia. as far as I can tell, it's part of it. Um, and you got a cool video that's like them performing live with a lot of live samples of them performing. And um, it's all drawn over very early 90s, like sketch art drawn over as they perform live. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, not my favorite lyrically, but uh, I do love a good Alfred E. Newman reference in my rap songs. And uh, the lyric performance, as far as their back and forth, is pretty good. And, um, geez, that, that drum beat's fantastic. But, Mark, what do you think about Shadrach? Yeah, it's hard not to. I, I also did not know that this was a single. Um, and I, did it have an accompanying music video? It did, yeah. It was that. It was uh, somebody... That, that whole style, like, um, what was it, the uh, AHA video, where it looks like somebody drew a cartoon over a live video. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, it, it was them performing live, and it's all animated like that. So, um, I mean, the song is extremely catchy. It starts out with uh, something that I feel has been duplicated by more house music and... Uh, in that sort of chemical brothers sort of daft punk sort of way. Right. Um, but that drum beat, like you're saying, it, uh, is incredibly infectious. I mean, um, yeah, I think all things considered, this is definitely probably a very, uh, telegraph to the future, um, in terms of what their sound actually kind of turns into. Uh, certainly I feel like this sound could be replicated on hello nasty, for example, in some of those other later Beastie Boys records. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, great track. It's not as memorable as Hey Ladies or Shake Your Rump, but uh, it's always a welcome surprise uh, towards the end of the record. There's there's one lyric that I, when I clicked on it on the lyric on the Genius website, uh, I learned it a fun fact. At some point they say, like Jerry Lee Swaggart or Jerry Lee Falwell, apparently uh, Jimmy Swaggart and Jerry Lee Lewis were first cousins. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> I just like how they like, blended all these Southern Baptist preacher, like televangelist preachers names together. I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. But yeah, I had no idea they were they were first cousins. So there you go. I mean, um, if you're a local resident of Sacramento, 
as you listen to this, you'll probably have seen that there's a castle on the, uh, uh, I guess, eastbound side of Highway 80. Yeah, yeah. It's owned by a very eccentric person named Jerry Lee, who was essentially a local hairdresser that opened up a whole bunch of schools, beauty colleges, if you will, and uh, made himself a castle. I've never seen the front side of that castle, but there's like a vineyard in there, <laughs> like an old. Fuck, that's his story. That's because it's called. I've I've been by it, and it's called Disgraceland. And that's yeah. what it says on the gate to get in. Oh, really? Because I've never been on the other side. I've only seen the back side. Yeah, it's all, yeah. I've been off the exit to get to one of the schools I support, and I saw and I saw the gate, and I was like, "Oh, it says Disgraceland," and it's written in like Disneyland letters. That's and I, and fucking I great. Chuckled, I chuckled. But yeah, when you drive by it on the freeway, it's like yeah, it's like a castle. It looks like it's a <laughs> like a skating rink from the seventies. It's falling apart. Exactly. It looks like a roller king. Yeah. It has like a like a limo parked in the back and yeah. like all these yeah. other things. All like yeah, uh, you might see like a boat back there or <laughs> exactly <laughs> dry docked. Yeah. 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 That's it's it's definitely a local local landmark for sure. Uh, only tangentially related to the song, but I, I, I appreciate you bringing it up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the Jerry Lee thing it oh, just yeah. made me yeah, think I didn't of know that. that. I didn't know that. That's that's funny. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Well, there you go. <laughs> so for you Pod Like a Whole fans out there, whenever you do your, your great Pod Like a Whole tour of America, uh, come by Sacramento and check out Disgraceland. Cause, it's uh, it's near it's, Roseville, near the, <laughs> the, the Douglas Boulevard exit. You'll see it, right-hand side. Yeah, I think it's by the Antelope exit. And you are, you're, you're now officially, uh, yeah, that's it's officially canon part of our show. So. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> Uh, if only Steve was here, I'm sure he would have a story of him actually going inside that. Yeah, yeah, place. yeah. Uh, if only Steve was here. I'd say that, the, I'd say the, the first track. Spend all your time waiting. Where it goes, it's the joint. For that second chance. For yeah, I know that was, that was like early thousands, I think. They didn't want to tempt fate twice, and they, they, they kept it off of there. Ah, listen to that voice. Hmm. My buddy Steve. If you're anything like me right now, you're pretty worried about the guy. You know, he fell and he, he tore something. Tore something that I'm not going to mention out of respect for his privacy. So, usually, we ask for a little digital tip via our Patreon, but... This time we'll say all Patreon money can go to Steve's medical bills. Um, you know, sew them up and get him get him back out there. Um, and if he gets enough, you know, while he's under the knife, he'll probably get that butt lift that he's been asking for and hoping for all these years. So I guess just, you know, you want to do something good for your heart and something good for Steve's wallet, go to patreon.com slash pot like a hole and please donate. Thank you. This this uh, album closes well, almost closes with which, which would, would be a good uh, bow on the on the present called "Ask for Janice," where you hear like a radio ad of uh, somebody saying, you know, Paul's boutique. Ask for Janice. We're in Brooklyn with a number. 
the only thing really to mention about this song and not song this little this little vocal snippet is that first of all it works really well with the whole like collage of the album but uh the number that they listed was an 800 number which they actually connected to a phone in mca's parents basement that had a a, a, a an answer machine and they would actually call the people back that would actually call the number and prank call them so that's that's fun that's wild yeah because it's not an 800 number. It's like 718 498 1043. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It's like a, probably just a Brooklyn, local Brooklyn number. Yeah. So if you called it, they'd, uh, they might call you back. Apparently, <laughs> apparently there were like uh, voicemail wars going on too. Like uh, people would get word of what other people left and there were people going back. I don't know. There's, there's some anecdotes about it in the book that, that it kind of took a life of its own. <laughs> this, this weird project they had. So good on them. Good on them. Yeah, no, that's, that's wild. But I I do have to appreciate the uh, commitment to the concept. That's right. That's right. And while any rational person would have ended the album there, instead we get uh, another mini album right after it. (laughs) In the track B-Boy Booyah Bays. So B-Boy Booyah Bays is, uh, if you bought the CD at the time or the tape, like like I did, it was this long, like 12-minute uh ending track that was a, a medley it was a it was a, another collage of, of little small songs some songs stretching possibly as long as two minutes some as short as 30 seconds um and uh if you've listened to the 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 ones that are on the streams now the the remastered version they've split those into individual tracks which i think definitely helped me in preparing for this episode really knowing what i was listening to so Thank you, whoever made that choice. But it was kind of also fun to have it be this big, long, kind of almost secret song. Um, in the words, in their own words, they said they wanted to make their own psychedelic rap manifesto, inspired by Sgt. Pepper or Pet Sounds. Um, and uh, they had nine song ideas left over. And they said that, that we could have spent time working on them and developing them more fully, but instead decided to shove them all together in one medley and call it a bullion base. Um, and that's kind of what you get. That is exactly what you get here. And it's, uh, you know, they definitely said, I remember in, uh, in some of their, uh, I was the commentary that I was listening to of them want, listening to them. They wanted to like capture that feeling of listening to a hardcore punk record in the early eighties where the songs were maybe 45 seconds, maybe a minute and a half if you're lucky. And 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 uh, they wanted to capture that with rap music, so that gave us uh, B B Boy Boya Bays. So uh, Mark, unless you have any initial ideas, I'll just take us through each section pretty quickly, and you can let me know if you've got anything to add. I mean, yeah, I think you should take it. I mean, the song itself is uh, my, my thoughts on this song before you kind of go through each section. Yeah. So B Boy Boya Bays. I mean, it sounds like a sneeze at a, in a bubble bath, you know, in terms of what... <laughs> just uh, a lot of bees happening there. Um, but it all sounds like unfinished ideas 
that they decided instead of making each of the like each of these things like more fleshed out in its own independent song um they just decided to kind of well let's just take up all of these ideas because we each kind of get a little bit of a spotlight and to your point then they've kind of created that theory or not theory but just that idea of mashing it all together and into this i would say not very well connected um group of songs i mean it's very herky jerky but i think it's just as if you were listening um, to your radio and just you're in a little section then you twist the dial and then now you're hearing a completely different song um but it's it's not a bad way to end the record, um, but it certainly can get a little like, all right, are we uh, we, we done here? That's that's all I would say on this. No, track. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, the, these these songs do not flow into each other. It's not like a you know like a mixtape in that regard. It's uh, it, it, you're right. It is uh, herky jerky, definitely. Um, I think as an experiment, it's kind of cool after you've already gotten a pretty satisfying album. Um, with a couple songs that I think are great, and then a couple, you know, oh, okay, what's next? So let's start with the first one, Fifty Nine Christie Street. This is less than a minute long. You've got a drum beat from Joni Mitchell. You've got some scratch samples from Fab Five Freddy and Run DMC, and uh, it's just a this super deep bass that's low rider ready, uh, kind of thunderous, um, and. Uh, just kind of rapping, doing their thing. Not a lot of standout lines on here, but you can you can definitely hear the Dust Brothers are in their element on this particular song. Uh, for only being less than a minute, they are going nuts with the samples. All right, that brings us into Get on the Mic. Get on the mic. Get, get on the mic. Just get on the mic. mic. Get, get on the, the mic, 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 mic. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, which... This is the other track that involves the Beastie Boys playing their own instruments, which is literally the human beatbox that's going in the background. Um, and uh, the only thing mentionable about this in the lyrics wise is a Fresno reference. And I really like uh, that he says, I'm the king, add Ram to your bit dick butt kiss. I, <laughs> I rather enjoy a, di a dick butt kiss reference. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's, you know, listen, I love a good beatbox rap that's so, at this point in 89, would have been so out of out of style and continues to be to this day. And I still I still enjoy it. Listen, I love it. I love it. Uh, but it brings us to Stop That Train. which uh, has a lot of uh, beat samples from the song Save the World by All the People. Um, and uh, more importantly, they use the sample from the song Stop That Train, uh, I Wanna Get Off, where they, that's, the, that's the line. And it comes from a song by Scotty on the Harder They Come soundtrack. Weirdly, when I first got my record player back in the late 90s, and in my head I was going to be a DJ, which I never saw to anything, but I did scratch some records here and there. I bought the Harder They Come soundtrack for a couple cents at a record store, and that, that, that record has some bangers on it. That is a very cool, like, I'm not a, necessarily a reggae fan, 
but there are some epic tracks on the Heard of They Come soundtrack. So uh, props to them using Stop That Train, which funny enough, I did recognize that sample even back then. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I had no idea about that. Uh, so that brings us to a year and a day. Which, I don't know, might be a top-notch track as far as the Bays goes. I don't know how you feel about it, Mark. Uh, but this one has, uh, it's all MCA rapping. And the beat is like, uh, it's mostly Who's That Lady guitar riff by the Isley Brothers. And then that this one does have When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin as the drum beat. And uh, this one's about two minutes and it's MCA kind of rapping about like metaphysical and spiritual things. And uh, he has himself said, this was kind of the birth of his like spirituality uh, as a rapper. As, and as we know, as we discussed, he becomes the one kind of like heady rapper of the Beastie Boys. Like he would go on to like that new rap about Buddhism and, and all that. And so this is kind of that moment where it happens. It's kind of cool to hear. And I, I actually think the beat is is top notch with that. Who's that lady sample? So yeah, the one thing about this particular uh, part is that little synth line that's um, happening basically in the choruses. It really reminds me of this music that I think was in either a Listerine or a mouthwash commercial. I can't. I don't have my. I don't have my proof, but it just. <laughs> It just really reminds me of, of that. Well, that, so that could be, could be. <laughs> I swear, some <laughs> ad genius out there <laughs> plucked it and said, "We're gonna just use that." Yeah, yeah, that 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 would make sense. I could I could imagine. Well, that brings us to Hello Brooklyn, which was actually the earliest song recorded for this. They actually, this song goes back to 87. And uh, this beat was was made on the Ad-Rock's 808 drum machine uh, before they ever came out to California. Um, It's got a very thick, deep bass. um, And it's got a little uh, Johnny Cash sample of Just to Watch Him Die which I'm sure we all recognized. And um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Hello, Brooklyn. I mean, nothing really to add, but uh, just having Johnny Cash's voice just be piped in very fast is uh, uh, kind of entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) A little funny. Well, that's the fun of this album is like, yeah, once again, the balls of these guys to like just... Pull Almost being girl or... talk, girl talk yeah. essentially made a career off this stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. This goes into dropping names. Which has uh, some uh, samples from the Meters and, and the band Sweet, as we discussed them back in our glam rock episode. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, I don't, 
have much notes about this. It's a, it's a short little thing and you can tell they're not, there's not, they don't have a lot to report about, about this one. Uh, but I will say they, is this the one where they talk about, uh, the, uh, oh yeah. Is this the one where they, they talk about the, uh, what is it? The, the he thrust his fists that, that song. Yes, that is the song. So the, he thrust his fists is apparently an old tongue twister rhyme that speech language pathologists, so speech therapists use to help people. And it was used in Stephen King's it, uh, with, uh, the bill character who stuttered a lot. And so he says this throughout it a lot and they use that as their, as their rap on the song. So, wow. That's your, uh, that's your anecdote is where that, cause there's, there's only a little bit of lyrics and it's, it's pretty much just that. You've got some, uh, lay it on me, which feature features cool. In the gangs, uh, let your music take your mind. Um, you know, lazy rapping, not much to report on this particular track. It's pretty small, but not as small as the next one. Which gives Mike D his spotlight. Mike on the mic. Mike on the mic. Uh, and while there's not much to report here, I gotta <laughs> say, I gotta say, it ends with the best sound sample maybe on the album. You know it's got cloud to it. It's a trip. It's got a funky beat, and I can bug out to it. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, and the whole thing ends with a song called AWOL. Which is another 808 beat. Uh, it sounds like the way they recorded it, it's like they're in a music hall with a live audience and they're, and they're scratching the Good Times uh, horn blast for by Sheik as uh, MCA gives kind of props and, and and the stage show like 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 the end of a big stage show and uh, apparently just as far as anecdotes go um, the uh, the only uh, possible reason for the name AWOL is they were at that time touring with uh, and and probably uh, uh, a music festival with suicidal tendencies and their drummer uh, Amory Smith said that he was nicknamed AWOL by DJ Hurricane who was the Beastie Boys DJ at the time because he was never where he was supposed to be they can never find the drummer for suicidal tendencies and so DJ Hurricane just called him AWOL and that is the anecdote which goes to the song so there you go there you go and uh, that closes out the album and it does kind of work that it closes out with that kind of live like thank you good night kind of moment i think that i think that works well especially if they were trying to go for like a sergeant pepper sort yeah, of like exactly. feeling on this yeah. one yeah, yeah yeah and then i think it ends with the same kind of guitar lick that it opens with and uh you got yourself a stew there you go booyah bays well that is an album. And as far as my thoughts on Booyah Bays, I think it, I appreciate it because I think the album could be done before it even happens. I think it's satisfying in itself before Booyah Bays happens. And then you have kind of an experimental idea 
Now, should some of the songs in Booyah Bass have just stayed undeveloped or developed a little bit more to actually be on the cut? Yes. Uh, but uh, as a fan of the sonic energy of this album, I just love hearing some of these ideas that the Dust Brothers have that didn't make the album proper. And uh, I think Gear in a Day and Chrysalis Street are are solid, solid tracks that that could have been whole things on this album. Would have been better than the uh, what goes around for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if they developed it but uh anyways it's a cool way to end it experimental don't know if it's been done before in the world of rap not in my experience so yeah yeah so there what's oh should we rank it let's rank it let's rank it let's rank it um, all right well i'll start yeah you do it you start uh, well what what, what are we uh, ranking it out of Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. These are how many inches out of five inches of platform shoes would you give this? Uh, okay. Yeah. How tall those platform shoes are. I gotcha. Um, I'm going to give it four inches off the ground. And, oh, um, you know, the reason why I, uh, I, I, it's a strong record. This is kind of how I really started to appreciate what the Beastie Boys were about. But, um, had I been around in 1989, I can see why this uh, particular album was a uh, commercial failure, flop, whatever you want to call it. And only later did people appreciate and realize the genius of it. Um, that, for whatever reason, there's obviously bands that we all love. They have that redemption when it comes to kind of the... Uh, uh, the passage of time when people can appreciate what they couldn't appreciate back then because it was so ahead of its time. Um, I, that's one of the things about this record that just make me love it even more, just knowing that backstory. Uh, but incredible classics, Shake Your Rump, Hey Ladies, Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun, Shadrach. Uh, I mean, there are so many good moments on this Uh, uh so honestly, yeah, that's my 4.0. I'm not a like a big hip hop guy, but just the sheer fact that um, they're able to do it in their own style without ever it seeming um, like they're a fraud. So there you go. Yeah, and actually, I I also give it a four. I I um, I mean, what's holding it back from a five? Because I think beat wise, music wise, it. It, it could be in five range. I mean, I think, you know, the, and the beasties will be the first to tell you that they weren't all there for all the songs. Like, uh, the, some tracks, the dust brothers are doing the heavy lifting. Definitely. Some songs are more well thought out lyrically than others. Um, but it's strong and I'm with you. I love, like, I love the story of the album. I, they could have been a one hit wonder. Uh, some could argue they should have been a one hit wonder, uh, but they came back inspired. And even though they didn't stick with the dust brothers after this, they were inspired to kind of fuse that funk into their, uh, live musicianship, uh, as they moved forward and they created their own samples and kind of became their own thing. And, um, but the sense of humor came through way more on this, I think, than, than, than on the first album and, and their sense of style, and that really, I think, helped define them and gave them a path forward, which is why you'll see them like teaming up with, you know, 
your your Spike Joneses and and your uh, you know uh, your your Coppolas and and all sorts of uh, your late nineties early aughts uh, uh, music fashion style kind of people they 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 found their niche for sure. Um, what is your favorite uh, Beastie Boys album? Right, 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 right. Good question. <laughs> I can't, I can't decide. Like when I'm listening to this, I think it's this because I love the beats so much. But um, there are moments on uh, on Check Your Head, which which tell me that it's that that I like it more. Um, but uh, I, I I don't have an answer. There's also moments on Hello Nasty of all places that I that I that I really love too, and and Ill Communication. Although Ill Communication and Check Your Head, I feel like are the same album. Just like it could have been a double album. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I, I don't have an answer for you. I, I think beat wise, it doesn't get better than this, but, uh, they only become better lyricists. And so if, if, if you're enjoying the Beastie Boys trajectory, uh, check your head might be, might be the top of the stack. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I check your head is very good. Uh, but I, I, I still think that I'm an ill communication kind of guy. Well, and I can't blame you for that. Uh, sabotage itself, just like, just like Deutschland gave Ramstein it weighed that album heavily. I think Sabotage could take ill communication to the moon and back. It's it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so good. I so mean, good. Uh, their performance on the MTV Awards was amazing, and just yeah, uh, yeah, they're good musicians. They knew, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they knew what they're doing. Well, Steve, um, Steve said, yeah, his, do we have a breaking, uh, yeah, like do, any, any, uh, like what's the doctor? I think the doctor just came in and gave us a note. What, uh, what, what's it say on there? So Steve, Steve scribbled this. There's, there's some blood stains on here, but, uh, 3.75. He says it's a classic, very good album, genre defining, um, with great singles, but he has to be in a mood to put it on. But he prefers the next two albums, Check Your Head and, and Ill Communication more. I think he likes the live instrumentation a little bit more. Um, if you were to grade it on influence, though, it should get a five because he created this, this world of 70s-influenced, sample-based music that Beck and DJ Shadow and Chemical Brothers would create, a, a, and then they would spawn their own imitators. And I think he's absolutely right. I think that's a good point. I think... I mean, if you remember, the 90s had that weird 70s kind of fashion moment, uh, that kind of throwback moment. And I think, you know, you can root it back to this album and then uh, Beck and, 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 and some of the uh, the fun kind of elect- electro artists would, would take it and run with it. But um, I, I definitely see what, what, what he's saying there. I mean, what's most impressive about all that is all that was written down um, and that was uh they said you only have time for either a call to your wife or if you need to do any comments about your podcast that you're working on and that's what he selected so uh (laughs) that's that's wild and 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 he's just he's honestly just 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 dropping that off on his way to the cvs to to grab some gauze because they ran out so that's that's really impressive so that's very impressive and so um his commitment to the show uh, just never no- goes unnoticed here at uh, it's true. It's true. Beast with three backs. So <laughs> absolutely. So so further listening. I mean, come on. If you like, if you want, if you like what the Beasties are about, and you want to hear them 
kind of come into their own as lyricists. Check out the next few albums. Um, if you like their music video style, they've got something on, you know, the next few definitely that, 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 that hit that, that scratched that itch. But um, it all culminates in the uh, in the Make Some Noise video, a.k.a. Fight for Your Right, Part 2. And I can't recommend that enough. Freaking hilarious. You watched that, Mark? Man, I feel like I watched it a long time ago. And for whatever reason, it got zeroed right. out in my mind. It's 30 um, minutes. I'm pretty sure. 30 minutes long. It's got Elijah Wood as Ad-Rock. Seth Rogen as Mike D. And... And uh, Danny McBride is MCA um, and they meet their future selves. Uh, they throw a beer at, at, uh, <laughs> at Job from rest of development. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, I can't, well, I can't yeah. recommend it enough. Yeah. I'll, but I'll check um, it out. yeah, if you like their videos, it's just a celebration of all things Beastie Boys. So it's, it's wonderful. Um, and if you like the Dust Brothers, I mean, check out the Fight Club soundtrack, check out the work with Beck and then, they kind of stopped doing stuff in the early aughts. And uh, I don't know if there's what they're doing, if they've retired or if they're just incubating, because I would love to hear more. They are obviously the, uh, the, the, uh, they're definitely share hero status with beastie boys on this particular album. So. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we? what's next? Yeah. Thank you, Eric, for selecting the beastie boys. It was a good talk. Um, but uh, where are we headed next? All right, what's next? What's next? Oh, infinity. Oh, wait, sorry. That's up to the side. Eight. <laughs> Eight. Eight. It's understood. Don't say you're happy. Out there without me. I know you can't be. Because it's no good. We are going to be talking about a record that was released in April 1997 um, from the band Depeche Mode. Uh, we're going to be talking about their record, Ultra, nominated by me, Mark. And before you get your hate mail out for why Ultra, uh, why not Violator, or why not Music for the Masses, you madmen? Or hell, you guys are always talking about Living in the Shadows. Why not? black celebration um but i picked ultra and why is that well you'll just have to tune in and find out um and knowing us we're going to be talking about depeche mode's history our personal history in one episode and then we'll give you the track by track we're trying to make these things as uh (laughs) digestible as possible but it's us this is what you've come for this is what you've all signed up for that's right. So, as uh, I'm not going to speak for Stephen, but he's giving his well wishes, and uh, he'll hope to be back on the next episode, as they say. But this has been Mark, Eric, and we hope that we brought you closer to Pod, and uh, we sure hope that doctor can can so like so up a hole. <laughs> Which is what Steve's dealing with right now. That's God's the biggest Steven. tearing sound I've heard. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. No. Not this time. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. 
This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's a fake. It's fiction. It's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Not this time. It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. It's fiction. We made up this one. We made it up. Not this time. Wrong. Not this time. Not this time. You're wrong. Not this time. It never happened. Hey, Thanks again for listening to our show. This has been another episode of Pod Like a Hole. Rip-roaring episode, trademark. Uh, yes, thanks for listening to our Beastie Boys conversation. Hope we found it enjoyable. Uh, we certainly did. Please uh, hop on in and enjoy our next round of, 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 of episodes where we celebrate the history of Depeche Mode and also go track by track with the album Ultra. Um, thanks again. Uh, check out us on social media. Interact with us. Let us know if you agree with us or if we're full of the SH word. Um, you know, uh, leave us an iTunes review or or, or, or go to patreon.com slash pod like a whole. Uh, but really, we do appreciate you listening and uh, can't wait to hear from you. pretty fun um steve what do you think about Eggman? yes <laughs> Eggman. <laughs> that's right <laughs> This is. Steve just got called on while he was napping in the back of math class. Yeah. God damn it! I've got three tabs open. I'm trying to shuffle between. The, all right, I got my notes for the songs. I got the tab for the samples, and I've got. I'm working the mute button because my house is crazy tonight. So calm down. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs>